Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword lovesport. We are feeling five alive here on the Leeds United Fan Show. Five wins on the bounce in the championship for Leeds United. Their best record since around this time last year when they went seven wins on the bounce. If you were listening about two minutes or so ago, I did then refer to the fact that the wheels may well have come off at Ellen Road. We're hoping, of course, that does not happen again. On this, the Leeds United Fan Show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with the boys from All Stats, aren't we? John McKenzie and Marcus Stanway. How are we, chaps? I'm wonderful. Yes? Yes. Marcus? I'm well. Me and John have just polished off a lot of chocolate. I'm well. Me and John have just polished off a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Sorry. Have you? So well, where is it? You said you didn't want any. So we did eat it all. You said brilliant. strength in numbers or something, I believe, was the phrase <laughs> that you used. <laughs> I didn't quite understand what that meant, but you told me you didn't want any of our... Of our Cornflake clusters. Yes, it was a beetleism. I won't lie to you. <laughs> Just a quick update on a game going on in the Championship as we speak. Millwall have taken the lead against Nottingham Forest. Sean Williams with, quite incredibly, his fourth goal in his last fifth games against Nottingham Forest. So he likes playing against them, it would seem. But Millwall leading Nottingham Forest at the moment on a good run under new boss Gary Rowett. Just the one defeat since he took over. So things are looking relatively rosy at the den. Interestingly, Forrest have dropped both uh, Lewis Graben and Joe Lolly to the bench today. 11 goals between them in the Championship so far this season. So Sabrina Mushi making some interesting choices. They're a local team, aren't they? They are, just down the road. Yeah, not too far from me, to be fair. About a 10-minute train ride. There we go. Hmm. Anyway, this is the Leeds United fan show, of course. And as always, we are going to start with an opening stat, John. Yeah, I've got. Uh, you, you, you were quite scared when I, I showed well, you. Yeah, that, it's quite you? threatening, quite imposing. <laughs> what I've what I've given Matt is a is a table with the um, uh, open play box shots for November. So this is the, just the last month. Uh, these are the um, amount of shots in open play that Leeds gave up in their own box and created in the opposition box. So as you can see, Leeds are top of the of, of the table. They've created 45 shots in the opposition's box in open play and they've conceded just seven shots in open play from the op- opposition. Um, now, to put this in perspective, um, the, the next closest team in terms of goals uh, shots conceded is West Brom. They're up at 11, so, so they're up there, but they've only created 25. So we've created 20 shots more in the box than than West Brom and allowed uh, four fewer so 
everything's looking rosy. There's some interesting reading in the table. For example, Fulham, who everyone's a bit worried about at the moment, uh, created fewer shots in the opposition box than they allowed in their own box as well. So, um, so this is a fairly good stat for for indicating how well a team is uh, producing and, and preventing their opposition as well. So uh, everything's looking good at, at Elland Road. Okay, so I'm just looking at this again, just analysing okay, what you've fine. given me. So I just want to clarify a few things. So... Mm-hmm. So you've had 45 shots in the opposition box this season? No, this isn't just in November. Oh, this is just in November? Mm. Right, okay. And in terms of shots in your own box that you've had against you is seven. Yeah. And the ratio? The ratio is just uh, the the relationship between the 45 and the seven. Um, so if you're above, if basically if you're above 50%, you've um, created more than you've conceded. So anyone who's below it, so, so Fulham, as you can see, are at 43. So that means that they've actually conceded more chances in the box than they have created. What do you make of that, Marcus? It's a very nicely formatted table, uh, <laughs> that's what I would say. <laughs> is it colour-coded? It's a shame it, that we've it got it in black and white. Conditional yeah. formatting in there, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, OK, well, look, plenty coming up in the next hour or so, of course, reflecting on that win, that emphatic victory over Middlesbrough, of course, looking ahead to games against Huddersfield and Hull, of course, next week in the middle of the week. And as always, your listener questions will be answered at the end of the show. But just going back to last week's show, we, of course, had a Middlesbrough guest on the line he was very confident wasn't he that Middlesbrough would get a result at Ellen Road three minutes in Bamford bosh yeah I did drop you a text you did as soon as that happened um, <laughs> yeah it was It's look it's a funny game um, I think a lot of people at Leeds were like you know we all said that there's a lot of Leeds fans who were like you know yeah we said we were going to beat Middlesbrough and you know we were we were due a big result and that's kind of true but I was talking today, we recorded uh, our podcast. We do like a, a monthly review on our podcast channel. Um, I was talking to Jamie Kemp, who's uh, one of the football, uh, editors at uh, Opta. Um, and he was saying, actually, if you look at if you look at the XG, uh, the underlying stats, the XG, we, we overperformed our XG quite considerably. I think we, we created about 1.6 and we scored four. Um, and he was saying, you know, in some games you get Mateus Click picking up the ball, scoring an absolute uh, worldie from outside mm. the box. And then that makes it that makes all the difference. Suddenly you're 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 miles ahead, um, and you've just got to kind of hope that those those moments come along where you you know you you score the the low percentage shot, and then and suddenly your your task becomes a lot easier. So, yeah, I think you know we were always going to win that game. Scoring right at the beginning helps. Teams sit deep against us um, in the hope that they can hold out as long as possible. Um, so in that game, it lasted three minutes and suddenly the opposition know they have to come out and try and get something and suddenly the game opens out and we've talked about space a lot on this on this show um, and Leeds were suddenly in a lot more space. So I think it's a combination of factors really that, that meant that that game was uh, the one that was 4-0. Interesting on Click, by the way. I was reading some stats about him. You may well have seen these already, guys. But he's created the most chances from open play in the Championship this season. That's 40 chances he's created. He's been involved in the most open play sequences, ending in a shot. I know you like these. That's 117. Only these, one. These are good stats. They're great stats. <laughs> yeah, these huh? are great. Yeah, You've been too, doing it. Yeah. There you go, mate. Yeah. I think he was top for uh, final third passes yeah, as well. Yeah, over, sure. over 300. But, so but, he's making more passes in the final third than any other player in the championship as well. Yeah, the staggering statistic within all of that, just one assist this season. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the way that Leeds play is we, we're often trying to get the ball to Jack Harrison, um, particularly. Now we've got Costa, Helder Costa playing as well, so he's trying to hit the byline too. But... What you're getting with Click is rather than playing incisive passes through to Bamford, a lot of the time what you're seeing is getting that ball into the channels and so that they can hit the byline and pull the ball back across. So I think that the fact that he's maybe not got as many assists doesn't surprise me mm. because uh, the, the game plan isn't about him getting assists. It's about getting the ball to other players who will get assists. Yeah, definitely. You see him quite a lot in games uh, waiting for the return ball to come to him. I think he's looked quite a frustrated figure in the box in a lot of games where he's given a really creative pass down the side and he's expecting it back in and then he's waving his arm in the air saying, I'm open. Um, I think at Middlesbrough, I mean, n- no discredit to Middlesbrough, but they did look very poor um, in that game. They were standing off defenders. Uh, our ability to get shots in was j- just silly, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously capitalised on that with that yeah, beautiful 
Yeah, he got, he got that shot from outside the box. But the other two, the, the other goal that he got and the goal that Costa got were the defenders sitting so deep mm. that they had the chance to get the shot in and it just deflected in off a defender because they weren't giving, they weren't closing down, but they were also sort of crowding the box too much and, and not really giving the, the goalkeeper a chance to even make a save. So He's got that in his locker as well, isn't he? That, that whippage. Yeah. I seem to recall done... <laughs> a goal he scored against Salford earlier in the season. Not so much a proper whip, but he did cut inside. Great goal, that. He did this. He did the same against Wednesday last season, didn't he? That was yeah. the Goal, our goal of the season last season it was a, a proper top corner whip from outside the box yeah I think Sheffield Wednesday also had their goal of the season in that game it was Adam Reach with oh, this yeah, enormous Miles, volley yeah. and then Kitch just goes oh I've got one up on that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere in the game guys Jonathan Woodgate of course returning the reception for him I mean I know he spoke about it after the game said it was great yeah, it's an interesting one. We were just talking about Jonathan Woodgate before we came on because um, Marcus was saying he didn't realise that this was his first managerial appointment and we were, we looked at his uh, win percentage, his <laughs> win percentage of 15%, which is not pleasant, is it? Um, but what what do you do? Like Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough feels like they're a bit of a, at a bit of a juncture at the moment um, and he's sort of the fall guy. Um, he's, I think he's sort of what people kind of expected Frank, Frank Lampard to be. Weirdly, um, you know, you sort of think, well, we'll give it to a club favourite for, for, for a bit, just while we're making that transition and see what happens. But uh, I, I feel like the the club's in a horrible situation for him to be expected to drag them out of it. So it's just one of those things where you, you just sort of hope it doesn't end too badly. But they seem to be supporting him and uh, giving him the chance. But I think that's probably because they realise they've got players they need to move on they need to sort of re- overhaul the squad they need to, to sort of get get the club from out of that I guess Premier League induced um, malaise they've been in and mm. get them get them on an upward trajectory yeah injury hit as well at the moment Middlesbrough so a difficult job that is going to be for him perhaps yeah. waiting to January to see what they can do reinforcements just with regards to Leeds I referenced it at the top of the show Marcus that's five wins on the bounce now eight unbeaten since that defeat to Millwall it's looking good isn't it it's looking good. It's always reassuring when you go on BBC Sport and you see win, 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 win. Uh, no no black marks in the record. So it's good. It's got the kind of the feel of last year where there was that pre-Christmas uh, momentum. Uh, was it seven last year? Seven wins? It, it was seven, year? yeah. And it wasn't until what, the 29th of December, just shortly before the new year, that that yeah. whole defeat came in. And we met, we met, we did mention though last week, I think, that, that that run of form did come with some sort of pretty meaty comebacks um whereas the last five games have pretty much all felt a bit run of the mill um obviously there's the Luton game and the Reading game where we relied on late goals but you would still say that we were probably worth the win in both of them so it's quite nice it's we've said it I think a few times in the last few shows just it's nice to have to just ease your way through a game feel as though you're in control and everything sort of goes the way it's meant to be planned which hasn't been the case in in other months certainly wasn't in the case certainly wasn't the case last month so it's I think there's quite I have a quite optimism about it which is you know you sort of go you go about your business you win the games you should win and yeah there's there's gonna we've got a really tough December coming up but yeah we'll, we'll probably drop points in some of those games but it feels as though we're we've done enough this month to sort of justify losing maybe big games in 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 a busy Christmas period yeah, and you look at that sequence as well. Last season, that's seven. The sixth and seventh were mm. games against, like you mentioned, the Villa game, the Blackburn game, taxing games in a period when you've got so many fixtures. And we're going to look ahead to those later on the Leeds United Fan Show here on Love Sport. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. It's the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with John McKenzie, of course, from All Stats, aren't we? And Marcus Stanway as well we are looking ahead to the fixtures coming up of course Huddersfield at the weekend and then Hull in midweek now ordinarily you'd think eight games away is a long way away but it's not because eight games away is Monday the 6th of January when Leeds travel to the Emirates in probably the juiciest I'm scrapping the Merseyside derby no it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about the Merseyside we've seen Liverpool annihilate yeah we've seen them (laughs) annihilate Everton earlier this week this is the game everybody can't wait for Arsenal hosting Leeds in the third round of the FA Cup Marcus lovely stuff yeah, it's interesting this one. I, I I can't remember the last Arsenal Leeds game. It was it was many years ago, wasn't it? It was in the FA Cup. Um, 
It's interesting, obviously, with this factor, uh, Eddie Nketiah. Um, I understand he's not allowed to play for Arsenal in, for Leeds in this game, um, which is interesting. If he's still at the club, right? It's a possibility that he might not even be at the club. Well, yeah, that would be quite a quick turnaround, I reckon, in three days to get him back to Arsenal and then back in the lineup for against Leeds. But let's not think about that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's just hope Patrick Rampour can uh, yeah, fill, in, fill in his place. But yeah, an, an interesting fixture. Um, I've been to the Emirates a couple of times and the atmosphere there... Oh, is it good? I don't is know. Is it a library? I believe. Yeah. It's it's just, no, it, I mean, it's not. It's a modern it's stadium. It's a big that, void. Oh. Me, and yeah. my, me and my friends have a have a, a word that we use of, of Arsenal, which is the Highbury ripple, we call it, which is when a player passes the ball across the field and everyone just politely applauds right. it. <laughs> and you hear the ripple just going across. That's about as exciting as it gets at, at the Emirates. So. I, I, yeah, and listen, that is a whole other debate about modern stadia and... I just I know that football's a business now and yes I'm a dinosaur and yes I'm stuck in the ages of when I first started watching football and I always felt to be fair that Arsenal when I was younger I always felt Arsenal had an unfair advantage because of Highbury when people talk about that goal from Thierry Henry in the North London derby you know when he sort of took it round nobody and scored with his left foot and everybody waxed lyrical about this amazing <laughs> solo goal you had to run far less than other people would normally have to run for a solo goal because the pitch was that much smaller <laughs> and you didn't take anyone on so that goal is a myth but I was surprised I mean listen I know they had to leave Highbury for business reasons or whatever, but we're seeing it. We've seen it with West Ham when they moved to the London Stadium. We're seeing it with Spurs to an extent now. It's probably going to take a while unless Jose Mourinho happens to turn them around. But Arsenal have never been the same size since they left Highbury. Yeah, I totally agree. I've, I've been a few times. I've been to the London Stadium as well. And it's just so hard to to recreate atmosphere, I think. Especially because I think we, we forget that there are like there's traditions in, in, in football stadia, which when you go and sit in the same place in the, in the ground every week in, week out, you... You, you know the chance that everyone sings, you know everyone around you, you feel comfortable and stuff. And I think part of the problem they had, particularly with the London Stadium actually, was that they just moved everyone around and suddenly people who'd been going for 10, 15, 20 years with the same people around them were, were in, a new, mm. in a new situation. And I actually went to a, an academic conference where they talked about how long does it, they talked about the issue of stadium atmosphere. How long do you reckon it takes to, to actually develop a, a club atmosphere in a stadium? And, and the guy who was speaking reckoned three seasons is what it takes you to actually get a stadium to a point at which the atmosphere is good wow that's an incredible sorry you went to a conference specifically <laughs> about i went atmosphere. to it wasn't no it wasn't about atmosphere it was i went to a conference which was about f- football academic <laughs> basically in academia there's lots of people who work on football right okay. but you can't go to a com- you can't study football in academia so there's a conference where everyone who's working indirectly on football came together and they and they spoke about their topics. So this guy was working in in France on on actually working doing a lot of work on on rugby um, uh, stadia actually, um, and he gave gave this this paper and I thought it was really interesting. Um, so yeah, three seasons he reckoned is what it takes. Is one of the the biggest factors in in when you move from one stadium to another, actually developing that um, atmosphere again. You say you can't study football. I, I swear there was a news story a couple of years ago where you could, David Beckham studied. Wasn't that an offer that was on? I a think you could do you offer, could do a masters it? or something okay. on, on David Beckham. Okay. Yeah, but you can't a... go to a like you, there won't be like a department of football <laughs> um, at, mo- at most universities I've seen anyway. So there you go. Well, with regards to the FA Cup, it's <laughs> sorry, I've taken us off on no, a bit hey, of a tangent, mate. That's what this fan Wild show is tangent. all about. With regards to the FA Cup itself, however, though, how are you guys feeling about the FA Cup and potential fixture congestions and distraction from the priority that is getting out of the Championship into the Premier League? No, don't need to bother with the the FA Cup. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, don't don't disgrace ourselves at Arsenal. Uh, put up a fight and then sort of gently gently ease out and focus on the league. I mean, my head says that, but I was quite excited when when Arsenal were were called out, and I was like, "Come on, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds!" and and then they came out because there was no one really left in the drawer at that point um, of, of any interest. So I was, I was quite pleased that we, we got Arsenal. Um, I'm going to the game, and I'm lo- really looking forward to it because it's just it's just nice to remember what it was like to be a, a fan back in the day when we were playing Arsenal all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't have any. I, I'm under no illusions that this is going to be a strong lead side versus a strong Arsenal side and I don't really think it should be but uh, I'm looking forward to the fixture it should be a good day out 
Do you know what? I, I don't know whether it won't be a strong Arsenal side. I think this is a prime example for whoever is in charge at the mm. time of Arsenal to, to actually put a decent side mm. out, bring a bit of the love back to the fans. And, and the FA Cup may now be a priority for Arsenal because yeah. of the way that mm. they are at the moment. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and I think it would be really good to see the Leeds uh, youngsters if if they are played. I suspect they will be played. It'd be great to see them have their sort of moment in the in the limelight. And um, we, you know, we've got some really really good youth players in in the in the in the Leeds setup, and it'd be nice to see them uh, given a bit of a given a bit of a boost for that. So players like uh, Jamie Shackleton, who's probably more of a senior player now, um, but he's he's been struggling with injury. It'd be nice if he could be back by then. Uh, players like Robbie Gotts, who's been in and around, and people have been uh, waxing lyrical about him, and rightly so. Um, players like Matthias Bogots, uh, the the Polish uh, teenager who we've got, who did a lot in pre-season but hasn't hasn't come through. And then you've got players like Alfie McCalman, again someone who people thought might be playing in place of Calvin Phillips this weekend but um, it, it's thought that Ben White will be playing instead so there's there's plenty of really good youth players on the cusp uh, and that could be a really nice opportunity for them to, to come out mm. I'm just thinking we'd be able to I, I think he'll probably play a fairly strong certainly the backbone of the side will be a lot of senior players um, and I guess it might be quite an interesting like look on how Leeds could look in the Premier League next year um, it's a bit of a free hit but I think it'll be nice to see how, especially as a lot of the new players, a lot of the players at Leeds have just signed sort of long-term contracts for the next sort of three, four years. They they essentially will be part of Leeds' Premier League plans. Mm. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how they go head-to-head in the Premier League. You watch the Premier League, I was I watched a couple of the games this week just because they're on Amazon Prime. And just the, the quality and sharpness of the passing of teams like Man City and Liverpool is just different league to the championship so it'd be really interesting just to see yeah how Leeds how Leeds cope mm. Which make, what, sorry go on yeah you, well, you mentioned the congestion that game comes immediately after our game with West Brom who are obviously our closest challengers at the moment and then it's followed by two of our, two of our bogey teams well three of our bogey teams <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday uh, QPR and then Millwall so it's 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 also coming at the end of a very tough run as well mm. with some big teams that that will really define I think where we are by by the new year and I think at, at the new year we'll have a much better sense of what the final table is going to look like so I I do have at the back of my mind this sort of thinking that you know we really need to we really need to <laughs> make sure of our position by then um, and I, I suspect the makeup of the teams for that game will, will be very much dependent on how that run up to, to we would say eight games was it to, mm. to the Arsenal game and then and we'll see how, we're, how we are at that point Well that game is in January we're going to speak more about the January transfer window as the weeks go on but there is one name that I want to throw at you fellas and I've been meaning to do this for the past couple of weeks but I either don't get around to it or I completely forget and that name is Dwight Gale because for me and you might completely disagree that's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer for me in terms of a loan deal arguably more so than Eddie Nketiah at the start of the season I think Dwight Gale is at Newcastle this season as we know isn't playing isn't scoring but when you look at his record in the championship and his, mm. his, his most recent seasons you know last season at West Brom 24 goals in 40 games in the 2016-17 season with Newcastle 23 goals in 32 games he was injured for a period in that season as well and stopped me winning a lot of money as I had him as a top scorer <laughs> in the championship that season so thank you Dwight but I think that that is a great option up front I think my issue with this um, transfer is that if we if we get rid of Eddie Nketiah I mean we've struggled with Eddie Nketiah um keeping him happy behind Patrick Bamford and the same thing would happen for for um, Dwight Gale as well. Dwight Gale I suspect would would feel more aggrieved to be not playing than than Eddie Nketiah so I don't know whether or not it solves any problems whether or not you're just in exactly the same situation all over again but just with a different player. Mm. Yeah I guess he, he he'd want to come straight into the team I mean there's rumour of his wages being what 60k a week or something um, and he's the kind of player who'd want to walk straight into that team you're, you're quite right. Um, I'm not sure if, if he is actually available for a loan. I think there's there's rumours of him being a, a, a sell deal for 15 million. Is that right? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not particularly convinced that we will end up with him. No, so. his, his name gets thrown around a lot, and you you see fans on Twitter crying out for Dwight Gale, but I don't see it. 
yeah, it's not. It's, it'd be a no for me as well. I'm not entirely sure that he would. We would really get the best out of him as well in our system, um, particularly because we spend a lot of our time trying to break down defences, and I, I see him as being more of a player who gets in behind and 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 makes the most of being quicker than defenders. So. Well, that is an answer to my question. Very well answered, gents. So thank you for that. I'm not going to bring him up again. So there we go. That was an itch I needed to scratch. So we're done. In terms of left back, John, I know you wanted to speak about left back because this has been uh, very much a topic of discussion and the Leeds don't seem to have a left back of sorts. Well, we do, but we, we, we don't like to play them yeah. in their position. So really interesting, really interesting because this month we actually played um, the three three one three formation four times out of five. Um, which is a, a, a formation that we we do sort of go into when we're when we're playing normally, but only when we're in possession usually. So it was weird. It's been weird watching them play this really interesting way. It's a, a formation that Bielsa made quite famous during his time, particularly at Chile, when he was the national manager there. Um, and what's been really interesting about that is that when, the way that we set up is that we we tend to play with um, Jack Harrison as a as an out and out winger, so he gets really far up the field. We overload on the right side. Um, around Pablo Hernandez, who's our playmaker, and then we try and find Jack Harrison, try and get him isolated against uh, opposition fullbacks or even in space uh, behind them. Um, now that means that we leave a lot of space behind him on the on the on the left hand side. So the way that you play your your wing back is or your fullback at that point usually is to give Jack Harrison a bit of support, but then that leaves acres of space in behind. So before um, last month, we had been using Calvin Phillips dropping in, so he would drop in into basically a left back position when we were in possession and the ball had been progressed up the field and he would just give a little bit more support um, just in case the ball was lost by by Harrison or, or the, the corresponding um, left back as well. What, what's been happening this month and really interesting is is that we've been playing three at the back and then we've been playing wing backs of uh, well Mateus Click on one side and uh, and Stuart Dallas on the right just in front of Luke Ayling. But what happens in possession is that Luke Ayling bombs on becomes basically a, a wing back and Stuart Dallas drops in from the right back or the right wing back area into the left back area um, to to give a little bit of help out for that for that for that scenario. So Stuart Dallas has been essentially playing as a left back at times during our recent games, despite the fact that he's been technically a right wing back, which sounds sounds very complicated. Mm. But um, I think that what that means is that when we just start playing a back four again, I think Bielsa will just be happy to play him as a left back. He's been playing so well. Um, that said, there's been rumours that. Uh, Cooper, uh, Liam Cooper's had an injury potentially. I don't know how true this this rumor is, but with Ben White pushing forward into a into a midfield area, you've now only got you've now only got um, Berardi and and Ailing left really a centre back back option. So it might mean then that Dallas does go to the right tomorrow, and then we bring in someone like Alioski probably for the for the other left back area. So that was a really long a really long answer to your question, but I do think it's it, it's fascinating being. A team that's coached by Bielsa, who's happy to do that kind of thing. Like, have you ever have you ever seen a team who has a right wing back who fills in as a left back when you're in position position uh, in uh, attacking phases? Because I haven't. No, no. I mean, I was going to say, could you just say all that again, please, for yeah. me, just so I can understand? <laughs> I should have brought a tactics board in, shouldn't I? What <laughs> yeah, a graph, mate. But it's funny because it's not so much square pegs in round holes in the same way is it it's something that he's actually tactically figured out it's not a case yeah, of yeah. Oh, I've got a player I just need to fill him somewhere so I'm going to plug him there it's like making square holes to fit <laughs> square pegs in or something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah. Um, but yeah that, that he is next level and that's that's what I what, what's been great about this season and last season we were very very tactically um uh, rigid, I think we did the same thing all the time. We basically played four four one four one um, out of possession, and and in possession formed this sort of three 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 one three. Um, and we uh, when we played against teams with two strikers, we were just rather than playing four one four one in uh, out of possession, we just played three three one three out of possession as well as in possession. Now we're doing loads more interesting stuff. We we you're seeing that Bielsa is, has a lot more faith in what it is that his uh, players are doing, and he's happy to just let them. Um, to let them do things like that, like, and th- and that's why he loves Dallas. Dallas is great because you can say to him, "This is the role that you're playing, and you need to be able to read the game and know when you need to transition from that right wing back area into the left back area." Um, and it, it's it's great seeing that he's got the faith for his players to do that. This is why when we talk about January, it's so hard to see him bring it, wanting to bring someone in because he's going to have to start from scratch with these players when he's got a whole uh, uh, squad of players who he feels as though he can trust. <laughs> 
Mm, well, whether it's 4141 or 3313, 2434, 678910, I don't know, but it is 0208 7025 58. That's a great it. segue. That's brilliant. <laughs> WhatsApp us on that number if you like, or tweet us at Love Sport Radio. It's the Leeds United fan show on Love Sport. We're going to be talking Huddersfield next. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Leeds United Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, and John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? Discussing everything that has gone on in the world of Leeds United and looking ahead, of course, to the game tomorrow afternoon, 12.30 kickoff at Huddersfield. Interesting one, this. And on the line to discuss it now, we have Ian Dunn, ex-Huddersfield cult hero, I'm going to call him, slash legend, slash player that Huddersfield fans love to sing about. We won't sing the chant. Ian Dunn, welcome to the show. <laughs> Many thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, I've, uh, my ego has just been inflated massively. <laughs> well, do you know what? I was going to sing the chant, but as another man who is slightly follically challenged and the gent opposite me as well will tell you the same we can relate we can relate Ian so it's all good right that's fair enough yeah that's fine (laughs) okay looking ahead to the game tomorrow this is a big one and actually Ian I think what's interesting we'll start with is the form that Huddersfield have had this season as a whole really when you think about the start of the campaign nine games without a win the Cowleys came in seven games without defeat since then it's four games back without a win again. Quite erratic at the moment from the Terriers. It is, yeah. I think I know there's some concern around town with you know the, the sort of the manager boost that came in with the Cowleys, and and, I, and they are they are the right people for the job. There's no doubt about it. But some of the old frailties have just reappeared in the last three, four, five games, um, and and they're the frailties that ultimately got Jan Sieb at the sack and 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 why they got relegated last season from the Premier League. What do you think those frailties are? Let, let's expand on that. I, I'm worried that they, they maybe thought it was going to be a case of bouncing straight back, even though they'll tell you it wasn't. I think some of the players uh, had got, you know, I mean, if you play in the Premier League, you get everything, all the trimmings, um, and you and some, some can believe that they're Premier League standard players. And when you come down into the Championship, I don't think they realise, and, and they should do, really, because the Championship is one heck of a division and the standard is massive. Uh, and I, th- I just think some of the players actually got a shock and they've not really been able to turn in any consistent performances mm. and it needed the introduction of the new management team just to get a bit of a bounce but the fear is that maybe some of the players are reverting a bit to that early season form and, mm. and the Cowleys really have got to address those issues and, and soon really because with Christmas fast approaching and, and town hovering just above the sort of relegation places it, it does start to get a little bit concerning yeah, but to be fair to the Cowleys, I feel as though I'm doing the Huddersfield fan show. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to to be fair to the Cowleys, they've had a lot of injury problems. Uh, for example, when they they obviously got shooed last week by Bristol City, but uh, Fraser Campbell got injured in pretty much the first play of the game. Uh, they brought him yeah. off and they shuffled everyone round, and it wasn't just a it wasn't just a small shuffle. They had they had uh, O'Brien playing Lewis O'Brien playing at left back, and they moved him into an attacking central mi- midfield role. And uh, Bakuna has been playing here, there, and everywhere at the moment. Uh, they're missing obviously they're missing um, Jaden Brown at, at left back as well. So there's just there's just players missing all over the uh, over the field at the moment. So how much do you think that's got to do with with what's going on? Oh, massively, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, like I say, that that coincides with yeah the injuries that have come. And I know there's a there's three or four concerns for tomorrow, including uh, I think Fraser Campbell. I'm not sure if he's going to be fit mm. to play or not. Um, but you know, when he is playing, he makes such a difference to the whole ethic of the squad. Um, 
But when I say address those issues, Huddersfield don't have the time to have injuries, if that makes sense. So with injuries comes loss of form. January's fast approaching. It might be a case that they need to just strengthen the team with players that are up for a bit of a battle because from January, well, from now onwards, really, it's going to be a battle for Huddersfield. They've got, they've got to find some battling qualities from somewhere uh, to try and put another consistent run of decent form together. Hmm. We like to talk about uh, tactics on our channel. Um, I've been looking through the, the, the game since the Cowleys came in. They play 4-2-3-1 pretty much. Sometimes it looks a bit more like a 4-4-2. Um, what do you think about those, those tactics? They're, they're obviously a really press, high-pressing team as well, aggressive-pressing team. Um, do you think that's the right sort of tactics for, for Huddersfield right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I actually watched these Lincoln, the Lincoln teams mm. that they manage, and, and they play very similar, clearly. This is how they like to play. They like the teams to press, press high. Um, and I just think, hopefully, uh, like you say, they've been there a wee while now. The, the, the work rate certainly improved during the period when they were, they were doing that little bit better. The injuries have come at a bad time. But long term, they've got, the, they've got the formation right. They know what they want to achieve. Uh, tactics-wise, uh, just getting the personnel on the pitch to, to do that. Ian, Marcelo Bielsa generally has a good record in Yorkshire derbies. However, for games between Leeds, Leeds and Huddersfield, Huddersfield have won the past three. It is a fact that Leeds haven't lost four in a row since 1928 to 1931. Can you see this happening tomorrow? I, I just think tomorrow that anything can happen because we do know that the Cowleys are a good management team. Um, they've obviously going to have to lick their wounds from the last couple of weeks, but there's nothing bigger than the Yorkshire Derby, certainly for Huddersfield. Leeds might feel the same. I'm pretty sure they do. Um, it's a massive game. and Some of those players will be looking forward to it with a chance of, of sort of reigniting the season and getting over the recent, recent bad results. It's, it's, it's a massive opportunity for those players and the team to to really boost the boost the club. I mean, I know if they, if they take a lead early on tomorrow, I mean, I think the stand the craze the uh, the stand will be buzzing anyway. But if, if Huddersfield were to take the lead, which is kind of what they need at the moment for a confidence boost, you know, the, the town fans will be absolutely rocking. Um, on the flip side, don't want to be too much of a pessimist. If Leeds start off like a house on fire, then it could be a long afternoon. Did you ever play in a Yorkshire derby, Ian? You know, I don't think... Well, I, we played against Bradford at the time. Um, I, in fact, I made my debut against Bradford in the FA Cup. And uh, that was a huge occasion, not just for me, but I could sense it. The fans, the club, the week before the game, everyone's looking forward to that. At that time, that was the big Yorkshire derby for, for Huddersfield and Bradford. Um, and it is, there's something different about those sorts of games. When, when they come around, you can just... You can, you can either raise 10% or you can you can shrivel up and, and lose 10%. So hopefully the players are up for it tomorrow and they get that early boost. And hopefully, from a Huddersfield point of view, obviously, um, they come away with the points. And just to finish on that, Ian, do you think that still exists within the current crop of players, that, that local feeling, that local rivalry? Like you said, the crowd obviously feel it. When that first goal goes in, do you think the players will react to the fact that it is a Yorkshire derby. We saw the Merseyside derby this week. We've got the Manchester derby, of course, at the weekend. And sometimes fans say, do you know what? It doesn't mean as much because the local feel, the, the, the players that have come through the ranks aren't as common nowadays. But do you think that still exists, especially in the Championship? Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that the, the press and the, the fans and the people in the streets, they'll make sure those players know that it's a, it's a huge game to them. And, and that should be all the footballers need. Um, they're going into a massive game. They know how much it means to the fans. And if they don't, there's something wrong. No, I think I don't think that'll be a problem. And as soon as that first whistle is uh, is blown, I think both teams will be at it. It'll be. Uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I really do. I don't know if you've heard about the the this march, uh, this walk that's been done by the supporters groups um, from both both clubs, walking from Elland Road to um, to the um, the um, Huddersfield ground. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So that that's happening tomorrow morning. So they're setting up at six thirty, and they're and they're, and they're doing that in aid of food banks for around around the area. So um, I just wondered whether or not you just to follow on from that sort of feeling of of the derby. Obviously, there's a derby feel to this game. Um, do you, do you think that derby feel is still there? It's, it's good to see that fans can put their differences behind them and, and do something good for charity like this. But what do you think of the the, the status of, the, of this game for Huddersfield fans? I think that's I think that's a fantastic thing that fans can 
come together and do that. And that, that does exist in football. You see it quite a lot more now. It's more prevalent uh, in, in big games, big players. They know that they've got responsibilities um, and the fans are taking it on as well. I think it's, it can only be a positive for tomorrow. Um, and, you know, that's what football is all about. You know, for 90 minutes, each other, you hate each other. But before and after, you get on with the game and, and things like this are just um, just great news. It's good to hear. Ian, it has been great having you on. You might say it's been golden, just like a golden goal. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll maybe look at that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> That's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Ian Dunn, Ian Dunn. Ian, Ian Dunn. He's got nowhere, but we don't care. Ian, Ian Dunn. <laughs> I had to get it out of my system. I really wanted to do it when he was on the line, but I couldn't. Of course, that was Ian Dunn, ex-Huddersfield legend, Ian Dunn. And the little pun at the end, the golden pun, was, of course, the fact that he was the first ever British player to score a golden goal, fellas. Who did he score In for? British football. He scored it for Huddersfield. There we go. Against Lincoln City in what was then an auto windscreen shield clash. Of course, that is now the leasing.com trophy. Is that what used to be the Johnston Paint trophy? Yes, and checker trade and autoglass and whatever you want to call it. (laughs) So, yes, I mean, fellas, his thoughts on that. Good talking about the Yorkshire Derby, by the way. The fire, that's what we want. We want the passion. Do you think, I mean, you you asked him, you said, do you think it still exists? Do you think it does? I don't know. I think it, it's we as Leeds fans we like to pretend that everyone cares about playing us and we don't care about playing anyone. Um, we are like, oh yeah, well the only derbies that we really consider are the you know we can <laughs> we consider our rivals to be Manchester United and Chelsea and things like that. <laughs> which let, let's face it, it's probably not <laughs> not particularly accurate. But I think I think it's I think it's a game that that fans actually do get up for. Um, I know that a lot of my closest Leeds fan friends are, are quite keen on on the derby, um, particularly that they're looking forward to tomorrow in particular. So I think it would be wrong of us to pretend that it isn't that important. But I know that Phil Hay this week on on his show was suggesting that Huddersfield fans take it more seriously than Leeds fans. But I don't know whether or not that's particularly fair. Marcus, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think um, I actually listened to Danny Cowley's like. Uh, interview the other day post game. It's quite. I haven't heard much of him since he was appointed, and he uh, he seems to be kind of siding with the fans and trying to take the take the view that a lot of the players that have come down from the Premier League are kind of coasting a bit. Um, he made an interesting point that the game in Bristol. He was saying he, he did, the players don't know how lucky that they are. Uh, they got flown down to Bristol for the game. They got beaten five two. Obviously, travelling fans have spent yeah countless countless pounds driven countless miles down the motorway to get to that game um and yeah the impression that he was giving is that they they weren't getting their money's worth they weren't getting getting the desire from the players just quite interesting that perspective of footballers flying down to a game but then fans going on driving down it's interesting well Marcelo Bielsa famously had his players litter picking at the beginning of the season for the allotted amount of time that right, it takes yeah. you to all to buy a ticket so that they had a sense of what the uh, the fan is going through in order to watch the team so i think that's it's probably a good approach to have really to make make players aware of what it is yes obviously what they do is a job and and they they'll be they will be disappointed with with wins and losses and stuff but it's good to give that sense of what it is that the fans are are going Mm. through as well Mm. he seemed quite in awe as well of Marcelo Bielsa didn't he very complimentary of Bielsa you read some of his comments from that press conference there are very few people you can call pioneers in football but he is definitely one said Danny Cowley of Bielsa he also said it seems like the players are almost on remote control and then I was reading some of what Bielsa said, and actually it, it references what you were discussing earlier about the square pegs and, and the round holes and stuff. <laughs> and a great quote from Bielsa ahead of this game. Some players move in the pitch from the back to forward and other players from forward to back. <laughs> it's not something I created. Football is played like that now. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Classic great. Bielsa, isn't he? He's it? referred to them before. He said, if I played with a team of robots, I would always win. Yeah. That's what he's famously said. So. Yeah, so Huddersfield, of course, up at the weekend. We're going to be talking more about that and answering your listeners' questions next on the Leeds United Fan Show here on Lost Sport. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station.
The Leeds United Fan Show here on Love Sport with me, Matt Beadle, John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? And Marcus Stanway. We've got about eight minutes of the show left. We're reaching our finale, which means it's time, of course, for your listeners' questions. Gents, I'm going to jump straight into them. First one is from Josh Hobbs. He read in a Phil Hay Q&A, of course, Phil Hay, Leeds United writer for The Athletic, that Leeds United are keeping tabs on Lee Bowyer as a future manager option. What, gents, do you think of that? I don't know what I think of that. Um, I think I've been, I've been, I've seen... Charlton a few times actually this season I've been to um, the Valley a few times and it's hard to really read how good they are um, in this division um, partly because uh, you know we, we all know the the sort of rumblings that they've had over the last few seasons so that's a team that have really had to work against their owner a lot of t- a lot of the time so it was very impressive that he even got them up last season and has got them off to a, a pretty good start this season so I think that um, sets him in good stead but it's hard to know what's going to happen after Bielsa leaves. So presumably, if they're keeping tabs on him, he would be a, a player they would consider to replace Bielsa. And it's just so hard to know what 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 a manager following Bielsa has to do because there's no way that you can play the same way that Bielsa plays. You can't you can't expect the sort of intensity that Bielsa commands because he is so well respected in the game. So. <laughs> I, I, it's almost like you have to just reinvent the team as soon as as soon as Bielsa goes. So it would be interesting to see what 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 Bowyer did. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that like having a, a team that um, performs well with with not the best players in in the championship is the best preparation for for Leeds. Presuming that um, by the time that that Bielsa goes, they'll be in a fairly healthy position. You think? So I don't I don't know how I feel. I think I mean I've been impressed by Bowyer and I've I've been impressed at his his tactical nous. I do think he's a bit reactive in this league. I feel as though a lot of the time he he um sets sets his game plan up to to, to try and stymie the opposition rather than actually doing anything really creative himself in in an attacking sense. But um I I don't know. I kind of feel if you have Bielsa you should be thinking of maybe more proven managers um once he's gone, but maybe well, I'm wrong. Do you know what? It's a really good point you raise there because it is going to be a radical transition for whoever takes over that job. Like you said, the way that Bielsa plays is, is, you know, no one else can play like that, really. Is it beyond the realms of possibility that, and it probably is, that someone would come in and potentially work under Bielsa for a season prior to taking the job? I don't think so. I think Bielsa will stay next season if Leeds are promoted. Um, but... He's never he's never managed at a club I don't think longer than two seasons. Um, just thinking through his um, biography in my head. Um, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's two seasons is the maximum time that he's spent at a club. So we don't really know what Leeds getting into the Premier League would actually look like for Bielsa's career trajectory. Would it be if they stayed up? Would he be happy to stay another season? Would we get four years of Bielsa? Or if if we went down again, presumably that's it. So I think a lot of it depends on a lot of it depends on what's going to happen in in the long term. But I can't see him being there long enough that that that, that happens. Although I would say that when he was a uh, when he was managing in Mexico, he he started off at a club. I think it was Atlas. Um, he started off as a. Um, as a sporting director and then became the manager so he has done a sort of sporting director um, stint before so maybe that would be the the movement maybe they could persuade him to stay on as a sporting director and then get someone to manage under him but I suspect that he probably wouldn't like that I think he quite likes being in control of everything so yeah an interesting an interesting question and there's going to come a point at which these questions are raised and I, I don't think m- many of us are ready for what that might actually look like. Are we going to see like a mini Ferguson and mini Wenger happening mm. at Leeds? <laughs> Interesting. And you're right, bang on, by the way, about the managerial situation with Bielsa as well. In terms of club football, yeah, has never been anywhere more than two years. So you're bang on with that one. We're going to move on to missing players. This is from DB Kahuna. Which one player would we statistically miss the most through absence due to injury, etc.? I'm going to say Ben White on this one. I think he's been the Iceman Kometh this season. He just looks so assured at the back. Uh, he's got fantastic range of passing, diagonal balls. And if he were to become injured, um, you've then got Berardi coming in, Berardi and Cooper, who, yeah, Berardi has, has played some some good football for Leeds, but he's also kind of 
yeah, the red mist can often descend with Berardi, and he's he's kind of yeah, a bit bit. You don't know. You never know what's going to happen with Berardi, and I feel like he's never quite got that out of his role at Leeds. Um, yeah, so Ben White for me. Don't John. want don't want him to get injured. It says it says <laughs> due to injury, etc. What about suspension? Because Ooh. I've got a feeling that um, Kika Casilla, if we do miss him for six games, is going to be a big miss. Uh, some you, you're a, you're a goalkeeping gentleman yourself, so you um, I've got some some facts for you. Ooh. How many shots do you think that Kiko Casilla has faced this season? Crikey! Okay, well, if I refer to this graph that you gave me earlier on, uh, I would say shots faced. Yeah. Well, I would say it's been minimal. I would say it's potentially under twenty. No, it's more than that. Actually, it's, is it? It's, it's fifty-one shots. Wow. Okay, so he's faced fifty-one shots, um, and we have a metric which is called post-shot xG, which you basically take the shots, look at where they're going, see who's in front of you, where the keeper's positioned, and you work out how many goals the keeper stops more than uh, should have gone in or lets in more than should have gone in how many Kika Casilla has stopped more goals from going in than, than he should have how many goals do you reckon he should more he should have let in than he has do you think that sorry that's a, a horrible way of putting sure, it so do you understand it I it's get a bit it, like yeah. how much wood could wood chuck chuck if wood he, chuck, stopped, chuck, he yeah. stopped a certain amount of goals <laughs> in his uh, season so that's, far. It's, what, it's more what yeah. we're looking at now in terms of the expected goals against isn't yeah, it and exactly, what, what yeah. goalkeepers are saying um, 51 shots and in those 51 shots he's stopped a certain amount of goals from going in Crikey. more than he should have done more than he should have done I would say I'll pluck it out of the air 25 <laughs> it's much less than that it's 4 <laughs> right. um, which is I think maybe the highest in the league so he's got I think he's got the fewest shots faced but he's stopped the highest uh, number of prevented the highest number of goals more than wow. going in than should have done so we've got probably the best goalkeeper in the league um, add to that the fact that he's brilliant on the ball add to that the fact that he's ironed out a lot of the scary aspects of his game and you're starting <laughs> you're starting to worry a little bit more about about what happens when when he goes when he potentially is banned of course in january fellas we have come to the end of our hour of course it is huddersfield at the weekend and let's hope that carlin grant gets a goal because <laughs> no other player in all top four tiers of English football has been on the losing side more than Colin Grant when he has scored a goal since he signed for Huddersfield. What about if he doesn't so score there you a go. goal? Well, we don't know the stats behind <laughs> that one, John. However, this has been the Leeds United fan show on Love Sport. Just a quick score prediction. 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil to Leeds. Marcus? 2-1. I think Huddersfield will score. Mm, Lovely stuff. Colin Grant. Gents, thank you very much for joining me. We'll be back at 8pm next Friday. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 